Shodju Shaklay, as Bavalium Shuishaltaka. She Robert a Karslach Mish. I'm Bob Carswell, and I'd like to welcome you to this edition of Shaklay. In Shaklay this time, Siniru Shaw, J Shaklay. Shan Kroshen on Skilia Rachel. Old Crosses in Kirk Machel. We hear from Pam Karush and Martin Royal about proposals for their future. As Lord Bardach Allen Vanningrish and the Isle of Man Poetry Trail again. And you can follow the trail of all 30 poems until the 31st of October. Tan Rolik Magirt Kiel Wachel, Ginusus Bonus Kier Ekeren. Selling Shaw signed on grain, yes, the Welshen Beggen, the Smoon, the Hechter Delie. A crebe and acht out tauschenly, she Rolik Fivuri. A shenner non ach ne close na killach won hoyacht, ach van ur genusus manister. Skasolach eder awen heel heen trogit sun in it vashan heel hoyacht, ach sirulik martinish ta kaltinen bega elion. Sirulikness er chow yas na killia ta trogler ye, as vashen jint the chod on a shan crashen ver a gedden, and eindrigen magit the heel as an rulik ach ulu magit the skillia. As for Kuritlesh, the Yen of Susan Tasha smooth the Hian Krosh and Sinalian. Ten Chaglam on Skilia Wachel, Genusus Mushan Trasar and J. Ulyuna Krosh and Sinalian. As we heard in Shachle last time, there was a meeting to be held in Machel Parish Hall last Friday, the 15th of October, which followed on from an earlier requisition meeting called to focus attention on the way in which Machel's historic crosses are housed and displayed. One of those who called for the requisition meeting was Pam Carouche, and last time in Chartres we heard her briefly setting out the concern that what was considered adequate when architect Armitage Rigby designed the Machel Cross House in 1906 ought to be, and needs to be, 113 years later, improved on for the future. As a result of the initial requisition meeting, a committee was set up, the Machel Crosses Group, to look at the situation. The Machel Crosses Group is chaired by Martin Royal, and its members are the Properties Manager for Manx National Heritage, Steve Blackford, Chair of Garth Commissioners and Member for Machel Ward, Marinda Farga, Machel Church Warden and former Vicar General, Claire Falls, the instigator of the move to call the original parish requisition meeting in May, Pam Carouche, the recently appointed Executive Director of Manx National Heritage, Connie Lovell, and Garth Commissioner for Mackle Ward, and with a construction background, Stan Rysak. The meeting last Friday was to receive the committee's initial recommendations. I went to Mackle to meet up with Pam Carouche and Martin Royal to find out more. standing here outside the iconic 1906 Armitage Rigby Mackle Cross House. Iconic, but perhaps not doing its job as well as it might. No, I'm afraid not. Um, it, ha- it is a lovely building. It still is a lovely building, but it really isn't offering the crosses the protection that they need. Mm. Not in um, these times when things could be so much improved. In fact, there is a bit of um, condensation and damp in this building, which is going to be um, changed and improved upon in the short term. 
Right. And after your requisition meeting back in May, you've since had a, a further meeting uh, last Friday to talk about it, and you've come up with some recommendations for the way forward. Yes, yes. The, uh, the the two meetings have been very, uh, very positive, very fruitful. Uh, out of the first one, a committee was formed of uh, local people and representatives from uh, the church authorities, the warden, um, Claire Folds, the, the church warden, and uh, representatives from M&H. And we've been very lucky that um, the new executive director, Connie Lovell, has uh, taken a, a firm interest in the, the in, in proceedings. So, um, so Connie was at the last meeting, and uh, that was great to have M&H's support and the church's support, uh, because they are the drivers here. And um, the outcome of the meeting... Um, the initial meeting was the committee. From the committee has come the recommendations, and the, the recommendations are in three areas to do with this cross house, what can be done in the future, perhaps to move to another location, and the third recommendation is how the stones can be interpreted, uh, perhaps better for the public, and uh, how they can be, uh, I hate to say it, but how they can be marketed. Mm. Yeah. You know, they, uh, I, I think the consensus coming back from the two meetings has been how it's clear these stones, are, these crosses are internationally important. So, you know, we, do, we hope we can uh, do something to, to reflect that. Mm. And in the short term, as you say, the work is going to have to be here to improve what's already here. So what sort of items need doing? What needs fixing at the moment? Well, um, the, the, I suppose the starting from the most um, uh, the, the most difficult things. The there are two big wooden oak pillars at the front of mm. the building, and uh, they need some attention. They, um, are, uh, it's not unfair to say, are quite rotten at the mm, bottom. Yeah. So they will need some work, and there are proposals for that. Uh, so, so that's perhaps the most um, the major job, and. In the um, eastern aspect, there's a what is actually quite a modern window, which is a later addition to the building, and that window uh, is in a poor state of repair. Does need to be replaced anyway, but it it, it is perhaps not um, uh, what is required for the purpose that uh, Pam set out before, which is to preserve the crosses. And the intention, after consultation with um, the architects and, and so on from M&H, they have proposed that kind of a vented louvered arrangement is put in. And there's various conversations. It's not quite finally um, sorted what um, form those louvers will be. They're, 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 initially, it looks like it's going to be some kind of oak louver, but um, th there's also a possibility that some kind of glass could be a quite attractive and b could um, could actually let light in. And so, yes, know. well, with the change to the glass wall or window there, it obviously must have allowed a lot more light in. And that's another of the issues, really, isn't it, with with the cross house as a whole, the the issue of being able to see the crosses in all their detail. Yes, I, I think that's really important. Over the years when I've been coming here, there are different features of the crosses that you can see in different lights. And I know in many years ago, almost historical times, the Reverend Duckworth, who was the vicar here at Mackled, he would look at the stones, not just in the cross house, but all around the graveyard and peer at them in different lights because he was... Um, absolutely certain and in fact he was right that he could see different things in different lights at different times of the day and different times of the year.
The second recommendation then is looking ahead a number of years. The recommendation that uh, the committee came to, and it was accepted by the, the public on uh, at uh, Friday's meeting, was uh, actually to uh, to move the stones, which sounds uh, almost sacrilegious, but uh, they're not moving far if, if this project comes um, uh, comes to fruition because they'll be moving down hopefully to um, a new extension to the current parish hall which is about 100 yards away yeah, a, um, little a little more um, and uh, that, that would that, that there's a lot of positives that would come out of that particular suggestion as compared to some of the other suggestions. One is that it would actually also preserve the future use of the community hall itself uh, which does need refurbishment uh, but it it's, it's a fine old building and um, it would be nice to keep that. The extension at the rear uh, could possibly house the crosses or they, indeed they could come into the, the current building and the rear building could be uh, a, a, a small community hall and, and so on. Uh, obviously there's sensitivities here, we, you know, uh, uh, there are neighbours and we have to think about that what, what and we have to go for something that will impact the least on mm. the least number of people and so on so so th th there'll have to be a lot of consultation and obviously there's a planning process which which will be part of the consultation yeah. i don't think we necessarily have to use that whole area that's the area that's available to us rather than necessarily the area we're going to use mm. And how would it work then? You'd have to have some sort of opening times or would it have to be a particular environment that you'd have to preserve? Well, in regards to the opening times, um, it would be wonderful, but maybe a little bit fantastical, to have volunteers who come as they do in Nakelo at the moment. Um, they are very successfully running their museum, um, I think, every day because they have a good team of volunteers. So it might be possible to do that. But beyond that, um, I would think that we could have it open for coach tours. It'd probably be open as the cross house is now, during the day, every day. But hospitality there, we would have to think a bit more about and see what can be managed. Uh, you mentioned Nokalo there. That's the other aspect that, that Martin mentioned earlier on about giving more information and giving a context for some of the crosses. Yes, I think Nokalo is an absolutely wonderful example for us. Um, and in fact, I think we'll be pinching some of their ideas because they have interpreted the um, whole of the prison of war camp so well and it's the sort of place you need to go back to again and again in order to absorb all the information that they have given us but you don't feel overwhelmed by it you feel as though you can um, go learn a little and have a taste to come back and learn a bit more and so this is looking ahead possibly 10 years Yes, 10 years is a sort of random amount of time, but we think it'll take us a long time to overcome the bureaucracy that is um, necessary when you're doing this kind of thing. There's a lot of church bureaucracy as well as government bureaucracy to, um, to offer us a challenge, if you like, to overcome. And then, of course, we have to raise a lot of money and we have to actually do the building. So that's a big challenge. And we think a 10-year... Um, period is realistic. Hey, good luck. Thank you. Thank you very much. Pam Karouche and Martin Royal and the initial three recommendations for the way ahead to protect, preserve and present the Mackle Crosses. Natasha Chitter Mar Bardach 
De menig se waardag vod in wel kuschen re hegel chelirach, ach se nachten a foglen as nreen gol erai, tat genusus strate da ayen, as ons sagt tat njartige gelie, as verjeret en bonjoutjet magas, as tat genusus jollo je schalederlie, den jachtenerlie, te salge gemacht un riddenach bonedach, den reein hin, den reein olju. Ren William Wordsworth schreeuw me gewoon een acht van baardagkoller Genoege. Door te, Tammy en rijden wel baardag, de rij harish, gin toortje en jachten jartel. Ten bondje regetten as en jachten as kunjen aru ons kunus. Ta sors munjen goller Genoer na en jachten, derel jorish sors de fregert, ten kunus na weggen as na weggen, ja eer soel. As de en jachten, Gorusen rai wa guller sors munjen er, na weggen as na weggen er na jenten, as te de fier un shen sen aigne. The Alleman Poetry Society's annual poetry trail has been extended this year in two ways. First, rather than a trail of twenty poems round Douglas, there are thirty poems, with the trail extended to include five poems in Ramsey and five in Peel. Second, rather than the chosen poems being on display for about three or four weeks, the trail has been expanded to six weeks, so if you haven't already been able to follow the whole trail, you've still got time to do so until it comes to an end on the 31st of October. Once again, let's join the official launch, when the Isle of Man Poetry Society presented all 30 poems at a special event in St George's Church in Douglas. Some of the winning poets couldn't be there that evening, so we'll hear some poems being read by other members of the Society. With thanks to Ernie de Lee Runciman for the opportunity to take a recording through the sound desk in St George's. And we'll start with a poem read for the author by Sarah Owen. Rainbow by Jane Rogers How wonderful you truly are, washing your colours across the sky. I often stop and stare at you, I cannot pass you by. Your colourful emergence, though clouds filled with heavy rain, make our days seem brighter, take away the pain. From the palette of an artist, you appear to have been created, each colour carefully chosen to make us feel elated. Children wonder at you, think you're made by magic powers, especially when you show yourself through those rainy showers. You've become a symbol of so many things, but I see you differently. I see you as a guide, a guide to raise my spirits, a guide to see me through, a guide to make me smile when I'm feeling blue. Mother Nature is the maker of your illusion in our skies. She's chosen to award us this truly wonderful prize. We never get tired of seeing you, no matter if young or old, and we wish we'd all come Cross your elusive pot of gold. Sarah Owen reading Rainbow, a poem by Jane Rogers. Here's Ron Couch to tell us something about the background to his poem before he reads it out for us. Inspiration for this probably came from my uh, patio, which is running with weeds, and I despair. And it will probably touch the hearts of many of you. I hope so. I'm sure there are a few gardeners out there. I called it uh, Gardener's Lament. The daffs are looking tired. Indeed, 
they're dying back. But the weeds, they keep on growing in every little crack. The poppies, though, are blooming. And indeed, they're in the pink. But the weeds, they keep on growing in every tiny chink. The flower beds are shabby and indeed need raking through. But the weeds, they keep on coming. It's true. It's true. It's true. The lawns are looking tidy. Indeed, they're nice and neat. But the weeds, they keep on growing right beneath my feet. The weeds, they are a problem. What am I to do? Banish all the flower beds and the flowers too? But the weeds, they'll keep on coming. It's true. It's true. It's true. Ron Couch with his poem, A Gardener's Lament. The next poem is by Olivia Duda. However, she wasn't able to be present, but her poem, Are You There?, is read by Mary Moffat, who first of all tells us about how she came to know Olivia. Olivia, quite, quite recently, came to the island. She's Polish, and she came to join the Art Society, and we got chatting very often. As I opened up, she was the first person to arrive, and very often she was one of the last to go, so we got to, to know each other quite well. And when I w was trying to drum up business for the poetry trail, I just said casually, do you write poetry? And she said, yes, I do. I said, good. Then you'd like to join this society, and she did. So this, this is the first time she'd entered uh, for the poetry trail, and she won a place. Are you there? I'm not there at the sea, with the blue clouds at the town, with the closed blinds. It's a screen under air. Where are you? In a song, with a swaying in, in a hum, absent feeling being the world, not glad, nor blue. It's a lone place, always so, like God knows you must sense. Then light shows, thinkers exist, content with haze. Mary Moffat reading a poem by Olivia Duda, Are You There? Now here's Jean Farragher with another of the winning poems by an author who wasn't able to be present that evening. His Rainbow by Sue Cayley. Sir Captain Tom has found his rainbow while climbing up heaven's stair. The small figure with his walking frame, suit, medals and lovely white hair will now be joining his much-loved wife to sing and walk on the soft clouds of life. We thank you, sir, for everything you've done, for raising funds for the NHS and for everyone. You will be the brightest star shining in the sky. Your name, I hope, will live on forever as we all say goodbye. His Rainbow, a poem by Sue Cayley, and it was read there on her behalf by Jean Farragher. Doug Sandal is from Douglas, but he's had a career as a psychologist and university academic in Leeds. Here he takes himself back to the Douglas of his boyhood. This is, um, is a true story, and... Uh, quite appropriate to be in this church. I didn't know it was going to be in a church. It's called God Calling. 
We lived in Douglas up from the busy harbour and the large grin of the bay. I remember well that particular hot summer's day, as from up on high as words came down, as God the Lord called out to me, Douglas, Douglas. As deep words he solemnly cried, as in fearful shiver I fell upon my knees. At the age of eight had I really died? Douglas, Douglas, through the half-open window he urgently cried, as with awe I duly replied, What dost thou want of me, O Lord? I could not breathe, my chest so tight, my head dizzy with fear, his urgent message a jumble of sounds I could not clearly hear. Perhaps a mission he was asking of me, to spread his holy word. Douglas, Douglas, oh, what dost thou want of me, O Lord? Perhaps I was to be as his holy son, a second coming, the world to redeem. I felt quite humble, but also sick. Was this not some kind of nightmare trick? Douglas, Douglas, through the half-open window, he urgently called. Oh, God, I'm feeling faint. Please tell, what dost thou want of me, O Lord? The breeze, it did change at last. And from on high, the full range of booming words came to pass. The message now loud and clear. Would all passengers arriving at Douglas please proceed along the pier? Doug Sandal and his poem, God Calling. Back in early September, the chair of the society, Bethany Dilly Runciman, told us about the background and about what was then the forthcoming official launch of the Poetry Trail. At that time she read for us one of the winning entries, and she also read the same poem at the official launch. Here's Bethany to tell us about it. This is written by Joanne Rimmer Weeks, and Joanne lives in Cumbria at the moment, but she was brought up on the Isle of Man in Ramsey. So this is Joey's Bus by Joanne Rimmer Weeks. Were you ever on that bus? Put a sight on that sweet girl, swinging her legs and singing to the rhythms of the road, on Joey's bus to Michael. Out of Parliament Square we pass green-blazed scholars, dawdlingly eager to assimilate knowledge. A cheerful lady alights at Milltown for Glenalden, a mouth-watering bloomer from Bruce's in her basket. There's Sky Hill, now serene, once battleground of King Ori. Look, Balakalingan keeps lone trees in cages, whose child designed the pretty pink house with twin square tree sentinels. The bus pulls up at a gate, hands expectant man a parcel, pauses for a cooish customary feature of Joey's bus, as is flicking small bundles from the newsagents, strickets, examiners, Ramsey couriers and the Radio Times into outlying cottage gardens, giving all the weak skeets. Hear the engine's excitement at Solby Straits Freedom, like ours on our annual Sunday school coach trips to Silverdale's paddle boats or Glen Willen's big swings. This 29-seater respects Belaf Bridge, hoots to hail Herbie outside Brideson's garage. Remember the motto above Reuben the driver? 
Step along gaily, the trouble ahead is not there. The bus stops at Bishop's Court beside a man waiting. Reading this, have you wondered who that sweet girl might be? Grandad at the gardens is meeting four-year-old me. Joanne Rimmer Weeks's poem, Joey's Bus, read by Chair of the Isle of Man Poetry Society, Bethany Dilly Runciman. And all 30 poems are on display until the end of this month in Douglas, Peel and Ramsey. And that's it for this week's edition of Shachlay. And so now from me, Bob Coswell, Lesmason Ishwampin, Robert Akarslach, Sled News.